0: Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This week we are finishing up our discussion about how do we parent our kids when we're feeling emotionally triggered or feeling emotionally overwhelmed. Maybe we're just upset, can't handle it, can't tolerate it. Maybe we feel frustrated. There's lots of different words. We all probably use different words. But what I'm going to liken this to is that space that we get to in mothering. We're emotionally, we're kind of tapped out and it's either going to burst out of us like a big volcano of emotion, or we're going to completely withdraw and remove ourselves. Neither of those are healthy responses. Both of those are natural responses. What we're learning is how do we walk with a spiritual response, a Jesus-centered response. And last week, we talked about that before we do anything outward to our child, any engagement with our child, we're going to understand that there is a power in pausing. And we readily admitted last week that it's not easy. That that's going to require time and practice. And that you're going to have to grow your muscles in recognizing, Lord, I need to talk to you before I talk to my child. I need to get my posture right with you before I engage with my little one. This week, we're going to get really practical about it. How do we do that? I mean, how do we do that in the lives we lead? But we're going to look at Jesus. Because I think there's this story in the Bible that has always highlighted for me, or has become a prayer for me always of, Lord, Jesus, can, can I be like that with my kids? Please, God, will you help me be like that? So this is a story. As Jesus is walking with his disciples, he's been walking with them for years now because we're coming close to the end where Jesus is going to die on the cross. And this story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's told slightly different in each one. But in essence, what's happening is that the disciples are all walking on the road and talking. And obviously they're all walking and talking set like they're in a group, but you know, you walk with who you want to walk with. So you're talking like that. And in each one of these stories, basically there's an argument that comes up. They're fighting. Two of them are fighting. Guess which two? James and John. And they're fighting over who is the greatest. That's what they're fighting over. Who's better? Doesn't that sound familiar in motherhood? If you have more than one child... Have you not had or listened to your kids fight over who's better? I'm better. I'm better. I did this more. I'm always the one who you never, I always, right? Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't jump into the middle of their fight. In fact, it says that what I love, it says it in Mark. He says, this is in Mark 9. So it's Mark 9 and Luke 9 and Matthew 18. They all say the same thing. But Mark 9, it says, They've already gone on the walk. They've already had the argument. And Jesus comes up to them afterwards and says, what were you discussing on the way? But what we know from Luke 9, verse 47 says, Jesus, knowing the reasoning in their hearts. So they're arguing and Jesus already knows the reasoning in their hearts. But in none of the accounts does Jesus rebuke them. In none of the accounts does he scold them for fighting. In none of the accounts does he talk to them about the ridiculum of arguing about who is greatest. Because, I mean, let's, let's just honor that for a moment. <laughs> Jesus has all the grounds in the entire world to say, um, neither one of you are very great at all, and I'm the greatest. But he doesn't. He actually doesn't address them specifically at all, except he asks them a question. He just says, well, hey, what were y'all talking about back there? And then in all three accounts, Jesus gives a word picture. He pulls a little child onto his lap and he takes this little child that's now become the picture for these men standing around him and says, you know what? Whoever receives a child like this in my name receives me. Because it's it's about whoever is least among you is the one who is great. So he's giving this big word picture for them of saying, listen, you've got your eyes on the wrong prize. You think being great is what it's all about. And I'm telling you, it's about being least like this child. So in their culture, children were the least of the least. So in essence, Jesus is saying being great is, in God's eyes, in the kingdom eyes, is to become like the least here on earth. It's not about being great. It's not about being argue- proving your worth, proving your mettle, proving how wonderful you are. But he doesn't go into a long lecture about it. He does two things. He asks a discerning question. Hey, what were y'all arguing about? Hey, what were y'all talking about? And then he gives a word picture. So how does that apply to you and me? right? I think oftentimes in motherhood, when we're faced with triggering overwhelming emotion from whatever emotionally is happening in our home, kids are fussing, fighting, stomping, slamming doors, yelling at one another, throwing things, hitting each other. I mean, calling names. I mean, you name it. It's been in the Kimsey home, so I'm sure it's in other people's homes too. My immediate reaction My natural response is to as quickly as I can isolate who is the bad guy in this storyline and snatch that bad guy and give him a scolding about how they're being the bad guy and throw some kind of a consequence at them, right, and get everybody to be quiet and play nice. And then what inevitably happens in our home is if I engage that way, so I've engaged with full force, my emotions coming at them. I may be in control, but it's still very emotional reaction on my part. You're the guy, you're the problem. It's you, you know, and doesn't have to be a boy, but you know, it's you, you're the one. And I'm emotionally basically dictating what I believe happened and how you're the one who's in trouble. And so you're getting this consequence. Now, everybody else get along. What inevitably happens next is there's more fighting. There's more fussing. There's more squabbling. It may start with just them cutting eyes at one another and one person kind of going ha with their eyes, right? Because I haven't actually done any heart work with my kids. But what I think this storyline teaches us about what Jesus did was that he did not do top level. Let me clean up y'all's arguing. He did heart level work of, let me give you a word picture of what my kingdom's all about and then i'm going to trust that you're going to assimilate that information and you're going i'm going to walk with you so that you learn that information right and so he asks hey what happened so if i can encourage you number 1 when you are dealing with the emotional crazy of your children the very first thing if i can encourage you to do it would be to acknowledge that there are emotions, right? Hey, what's happening? What's going on? Not, not from a standpoint of anger or y'all need to be quiet. Stop fussing, but like, Hey, what's happening right now? What's going on between the two of you? Or if it's just one child, Hey, what, why are you stomping up the stairs? Can you tell me what happened that made you want to stomp up the stairs? It's an acknowledging, I see your emotions. I see this is something you're feeling. That's what Jesus did. He asked a question. And it's allowing time. He listened for answers. In fact, it says here, he says that he asked this question, and this is in Mark 9, and then they were silent. Like they didn't respond back because they, it says, for on the way they had argued with one another about who is the greatest. So there's so much, I think this is funny of Mark. I feel like he's kind of being funny here because he's saying, yeah, they didn't want to talk because they knew that they had been like dead wrong in what they were fighting and arguing about, right? But then in all of the things, it then indicates this pause where Jesus goes and sits down somewhere to have a good conversation, So Jesus is not like just stopping in the middle of the highway to deal with this fight as they're walking. It's like he takes time. He pulls them all aside. He gets everybody settled and he sits down and now he's going to talk about it. Well, emotions are probably a little bit dissipated from wherever that fight was at its height. But the emotions are also, there's time for there to be, hey, what's happening? what's going on? And for the acknowledgement to be, I see your emotions. I see there's a fight happening here. And then what does Jesus do? He begins to speak in a word picture. Why are word pictures so helpful for our kids? If you and I can become masters of giving our children word pictures for what is happening, I believe that communicates so much better to our children than when we just issue an edict and say, you can't do this. That's not a good thing to do. You see, if Jesus had said, his next thing had said, how dare you ask who can be the greatest? I'm the greatest. It would have been true. It would have been valid. And we would have read it for centuries of, yep, Jesus told them. But that's not Jesus's heart for his disciples. He knew that they did not have full understanding of any of what was happening. And he offers grace and mercy in that moment. And he's going to expand their thinking with a word picture of what his kingdom about being the greatest really is all about in his kingdom by giving them the word picture of a child. By saying, if anyone would be first, you want, you need to be last and be the servant of all. If you receive a child in my name, then you're not just receiving that child, but you're receiving me. Like, understand that it is by welcoming in the weakest, the least, and becoming the servant of the least that you'll become great in my kingdom. He took the time to teach because he understood they were lacking in understanding. And from last week, when we take the time to pause, when we ask God to give us insight into our child, into an understanding of who they are, of what they're believing, of what they're thinking, what they're struggling with, the way they may be acting, the sin they may be exhibiting. God, give me insight into that. I need to see not just the symptom that's on the surface. So the action that you see with your kids, here's a great insight for you. If if you haven't learned this yet, if someone's not, like I just want to teach this to you really quickly because it changed my parenting like nothing else. What I see on the outside that my kids are doing is only a symptom. It is only a symptom. And my job as a parent, as a mama engaged with my kids' lives, is to go down where that symptom first started growing, which means I've got to go down into the root system and understand what is that root system? What is it feeding on? What is it believing? What is establishing this symptom that is coming out? But if I spend all my time up on the surface whacking at symptoms, it's like taking a weed whacker to your yard. It's only worthwhile for a very short time because that weed keeps growing back up. You just whacked it off where you can't see it for a little bit, but it's still there. And what we have this beautiful opportunity to do with the Holy Spirit's help is to understand what lies beneath the surface and to spend time first in prayer over our child. God, show me with your eyes what is going on in the heart of my child. That's why Jesus, I think, spent some time. I mean, I don't think he was confused what was going on because Luke says he knew the reasoning that was in their heart. But I think this example is for us of, hey, he took a little time and then he sat down. Like he asked some questions. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? Then he walks a little bit further and then he sits down. Then he has a conversation about it. And so for you and me, when you have some kids that are losing their mind on each other because maybe they're not wanting to share or somebody's not playing right at the game or, you know, what whatever the moment may be, squatting down in the midst going, hey, what's happening? Tell me what's going on. Hearing all, this is what they're saying, this is what I said, and da 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 and hearing it. And then what we do in our home is I'll usually just pull mine to two separate areas. So in our home, we I'll send them just to go to the bathroom. It's not a discipline, and I'm not angry. I'll just say, hey, I need you to go sit in this bathroom. Hey, I need you to go sit in this chair. What I'm really trying to do is I need to get them away from one another so that they can have some quiet time to think and pause and reflect. It gives me a moment to pause with Jesus and go, Jesus, I need insight. I need to understand what in the world just happened. I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't paying attention. I don't want to just blame somebody because they're the, the other kids, the louder complainer. I want to know from you what is actually going on. And then I can go in and have conversations with both of those children where I can give valuable pictures of gospel truths to them. And I want to speak in word picture language, because I understand that my child doesn't understand it all yet. Their their mindset is lacking. They don't have the full picture. They don't have the full picture of what it means to live in relationship with another person. They're solely focused on how it's impacting them, right? We know that as children, children are very self-driven and we teach into them the ability to see something from another person's perspective. And so it's in this conversation time that I can talk about how your feelings and the truth of what happened, how those relate in this situation. And then also, how does God see this situation? How does God see you? And how, what is God calling you to do to mend this situation? What would be the right next steps for you? How would you love your brother or your sister better how can you make right what you made wrong? Those are the conversations we have, right? But that has to take time. I think that's why we see Jesus goes and he sits down somewhere. And then he grabs a child as a word picture. says, so, so you see this child? And so for you and I, it's when we're stepping into that bathroom or stepping into this conversation with that child going, God, is there just a great way I can communicate this truth with this child? And then the second understanding that we need to ask the Lord after we say Lord show me how to communicate this truth with this child. Is God, give me your eyes to see this child. Jesus had an amazing way of looking past the mess on the surface of a person's life and looking straight into their heart, into the desperate need that they had. Look at any of his interactions in scripture not just this one with the disciples. Look at the woman at the well. Look at the woman who grabbed the hem of his garment. Look at anyone who was desperate for a healing or for a child or a loved one to be healed. His greatest ability was not just to fix the behavior or the issue on the surface. He sought to impact their heart by offering hope and change there of setting them free from the bondage of their sin. You see, so often I will enter into those moments with my kids and I will maybe ask God for insight in a great word picture but then I can get sidetracked again by the symptom. And I... Zoom in on the symptom. You can't do that. Don't ever do that again. Oh my goodness, if you did that to somebody else's kid, that would be terrible. Well, the truth is, if I can help my child understand that what is lying underneath that, that is a place where Jesus can work and move and set you free from, then I begin to give my child a glimpse of their need for a Savior. Because only Jesus can set you free from that. And he loves you and wants to set you free from that. He came to set you free from that. That's the beautiful part about having these gospel conversations rooted in the same vision that Jesus had when he interacted with people. Jesus modeled conflict resolution, and he modeled engaging with people who were hurting and lost, which is what we do all the time, Mama, in our home. By looking past the mess, past the thing on the surface that's instigated this interaction with Jesus, and he looked straight into the heart to see their true desperate need. And he addressed that with them. And in doing that, there was healing for what the symptom was that was out on the surface. And that is his That is his very desire in the life of your child. And if you can understand that it is not yours to create that healing, it is not yours to create new growth, it is not yours to create different things growing on the surface of the heart of your child, like you can't change the heart of your child, nor are you called to. You're only called to point them to the one who is committed to doing that and who wants to do that and who will do that. That's your goal and my goal is we want to be women, moms who pivot them to the only hope they have. And that hope is Jesus. And he came to set them free. So super practically, because I get this question a lot. Okay, well, Bethany, what does that look like in your house? So I'm going to give you a rundown, exactly what I would do in a certain scenario, and we'll just let that be out. And then if you have questions, you can always get back to me with questions. You can find me on Instagram easily. You can find me, bethanykimsey.mykajabi.com. You can get inside of Resetting Your Mind in Motherhood course, and you can get in touch with me there and ask me tons of questions there, even even in that course is about our mindset, about the pause. Long before the discipline. If you want, have practical questions, you can ask me those questions there as well. Um, but here's what it would look like. So let's pretend that I have two little ones and they are literally in a skirmish over something that has happened, and it I didn't get to it in time, and people have said ugly words to one another, and somebody has gone off and hit the other kid. So now we have somebody's crying and hurt. So my first reaction in my flesh would be wrong. I would jump in and whoever hit the other person, that's the person who's in trouble. What I have learned to do is to squat down in the midst of those two and kind of get one in each arm and go, hey, what's happening here? Can someone tell me what's going on? And then I give the first person who speaks gets to speak first and they get to tell their whole story and I have the other one I, I know is probably not right. And, you know, they're wanting to interrupt and correct. And I say, shh, shh, shh. you're going to get a time. I'm going to let you say all of your side too. And I'll listen to the whole one side and I'll let them cry it out, sob it out, fuss it out. And I'll listen and then I'll repeat back. So this is what you told me. Yes. Okay. Then I turn to the other one and say, Hey, tell me what's happening here. And then I'll listen to them cry it out and they'll tell me how the other person was saying it wrong. And that other first person is trying to argue and I say, you can't argue. You've had your time and we're going to listen to him now. And then, and then we're going to talk. And I listen to both of them together. And then I will say, okay, I think, I think I need you to go sit on these stairs and I need you to go sit in the bathroom. Now, the goal of this is in our family, we don't, we don't do timeout like that. So this is not timeout. Nobody is being disciplined here. And so they know that in our family that I'm just asking them to go sit in a quiet spot by themselves. Because if they're together, it's probably going to erupt again. So I'm going to ask, hey, will you please go sit on these steps and you go sit in the bathroom. I'm going to be with you in just a minute. And I usually say, I'm going to go pray. So then I'll take a minute. I'll be like, Lord, you're going to have to give me insight and show me. I trust you. I know you've got this. I know you understand exactly what's going on. Help me to delight in you, lean hard in you. Help me to give me great word pictures and ways to see my kids the way you see my kids, to have compassion on them and to lead with compassion and not leading with only consequences. Help me to ask the right questions and help me to speak your truth. And then I step into whichever arena I want to step into first. And the rule in our family is you just have to stay where you are until mommy can get to you. Sometimes I have brought them, if they're both calmed down enough, I bring them in and I'll do it together. But if we still have high emotions, those emotions are valid and they need to be handled gently and talked about. And usually it helps if it's just with mama. And so I'll go to whichever one and I will sit in front of them. I want to get eye contact. I want to get physical touch with them. I want to give them my presence and then I want to honor by listening. So eye contact, hey, I need you to look at me. Will you hold my hands? So I'm usually sitting like on the toilet and they're standing in front of me. So they hold my hands and we talk. I say, tell me what's happened. This is what I heard you say out there with your brother. Is that what you, do you agree with that? Is that what happened? And then I'll ask questions of, well, why does he say this happened? And then I'm going to listen to their insights and I'm listening to what they have to say. And I'm hearing their hearts and I'm uncovering and unpacking and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit the whole time. See, this is not mine to fix their hearts or to convince them that they need Jesus. It's mine to be empathetic, to love them well, to honor their emotions as I also show them truth. So nine times out of 10, both of these kids have sinned in this situation, and neither one of them believe they have. They both believe they're justified. So it's a matter of walking them through all of that, honoring their emotions, but still coming back to, so why do you think it was right for you to hit? And they say, well, because they stole from me, they snatched from me. And I'll say, okay, I, I can totally see how you feel that way, but would it be right? And then I'll usually use this kind of thing. Would it be okay for mommy to hit daddy if daddy took mommy's towel from him when I was drying dishes? And they're like, no, well, why would that not be right? because it's not right for you to hit. Well, then is it right? I know you didn't like what they did, but is it right for you to act out by hitting? No. So now I can can pull apart their emotions from their actions. And I totally, I I get it. You are totally angry. And we're going to work that out because there's a relationship here that's messed up. And we want to love and care for one another carefully and lovingly. And we need to work that out. But also, do you see how you're hitting? Only also hurt the relationship. Yes. So, what could you do to make your part right? What you did wrong. Well, I could. I could say that I'm sorry. Yes. Why do you think? But remember, this is a symptom. So, what's lying beneath that? That's what we want to get to. Why do you think you hit? Now, if they're very young, they have no idea because if they wanted to. And so we will usually give them reasons why and help them discern which one of it it is. Did you think that that would help you? Did you think that that would just make them feel as bad as you felt? Were you just angry and you were believing that if you if you didn't hit them, you wouldn't get your thing back? We help them work through that. If they're older, we really want them to dive into that. Why would they hit? Why would that be their first response? What does that indicate about their heart? Maybe that... Anger is easy for them to get caught up in. Well, who came to set them free from anger, from acting out in their anger? So the response of anger, they may have been justified. Stuff got stolen. However, their response of acting it out, why would that be their choice? And what would be better? Well, how, who's the only person who's going to help you in that? There's one, his name is Jesus. And so beginning to work that out and then talking with them about how they can heal the relationship from their side. And then you go to the other one, and you have the same conversation. This takes time. Gospel-centered parenting is a commitment. It is not the quick and easy route. The quick and easy route is, I said, don't yell and don't hit. Say you're sorry. That does nothing but a good weed-whacking job on the surface of your kid's heart, and it does nothing to let them know that they desperately need Jesus. In fact, I promise you it'll just erupt later on that day because you did nothing to help them mend relationships and begin to stand under God's love. It's important that we do this work. It's not easy to do this work. (laughs) I want you to know that I pray for you I pray sometimes that these, uh, sometimes I'm so worried because I could sit for hours and share with you how to work this out. And we do that over in the gospel, um, the warrior motherhood community. We are working through how to do gospel centered parenting in very real ways. We work through in Q and A's exactly what's going on in your home and exactly verbiage that you can use and how it can be used in ways that is life affirming and, um, even emotionally affirming and very gentle, but being Jesus-centered. I want you to understand something. God calls you to walk with him in your parenting. He promises never to leave you and never to forsake you in it. He promises to hold you up, to hold you tight. He promises you that if you will trust him, you will feast on his faithfulness in the relationships with your children. He promises if you will learn to delight yourself in him, to be soft and pliable with him and allow him to be your strength and your solidity, he promises you that he will give you the desires of your heart. Your heart will worship. But it comes down to choosing to put your eyes on him first, to set your mind on him as always, you can reach out to me on Instagram. These are the conversations that are hard and they're very personal, personable and intimate. They need to be intimate. Like you have your kids and what works just because I threw this example out may not work with your kids, but I am happy to help you work it out and pray it out and puzzle it out. But I promise you, you have the best counselor and the best teacher in the Holy Spirit. And he is very faithful to you. As always, reach out with questions. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me at my website. You can find me um, on Facebook. And I look forward to talking with you more there. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends post about it on social media. And of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.